Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well-rounded, happy, goal-crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? Good as always. Yep. Yeah, we're definitely happy to be here. Excellent. And actually, on a podcasty note, um, we're recording this right before, but I will be back from the Outspoken Summit, uh, where I will be launching my new podcast, The Business of Fitness Podcast. So officially launching it as its own podcast. Yes. And actually, on Saturday, so November 12th, a couple days ago, as you're listening to this, uh, we did our first live recording. We did it at the Outspoken Summit, where we were talking all about imposter syndrome with this awesome panel of experts and just rad women in the fitness industry. So you can check that out. Uh, We have links over at consummateathlete.com or just head to feistymedia.com. And now the original episodes you did, they'll be on the the, the new, new podcast yes. as well as they were cross-posted on uh, yep, the Feisty podcast. Yep, yeah. So we started this podcast back in August as just part of the Women's Performance Podcast, but now it has its own home and all of the previous posts are moving over to that. So yeah, and that's exciting. You're in great company with Stacey Sims is, is part of that and Celine Yeager. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Lots of my... A lot of listeners of- are big fans of their book on menopause and mm-hmm. uh, what is it? Level Up, I think is their the newest one. Yep, yeah. yep. And a lot of people listen to uh, Celine's podcast, Hit Play, Not Pause. I'm super excited to catch up with her and see what she's up to. And actually, we we did just book Stacy for another episode of this podcast, The Consummate Athlete. So very exciting. Looking forward cool. to hearing. So maybe from if her. listeners have questions that they'd like to submit, yeah, uh, start, start, start thinking putting about those it. in the the hopper. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, here we are, mid-November. I've launched a new podcast, and uh, you're still riding outside, which admittedly right the second is not that hard to do. It's somehow 75 and sunny yeah. in Ontario. No, it's going downhill after today. I, I planned poorly because today was the off day I planned. Bad move. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, it, it, this is, would be the case any of the last like two weeks plus. So at some point, you have to take an off day, and it can't be always based around weather, I guess. Uh, yeah, because we're trying to minimize risk by taking off days. Yeah. Uh, at any rate, your your point is the goal is to ride outside until December 1st. So November typically, uh, especially in Ontario, tends to kind of herald in the start of trainer season, almost irregardless of what the weather looks like. Everyone starts dusting off their trainers, getting them ready, getting on them. Uh, and, you know, to be fair, like Zwift is pushing out some of their new programming. Their winter stuff is coming out. There's all these challenges that mm-hmm. are starting up. Mm-hmm. So the temptation to get on the trainer is actually quite high in November because maybe sure. you even miss it, right? Like sometimes it's pretty easy to miss the indoor trainer because it's so freaking efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and some people have been on it. Like it's just the way life is, right? So it's this challenge is something we haven't really, or I don't think we ever have really, I, I sort of mention it periodically in Instagram or something, but we've never put it out there and we're, we're not putting it out there that you have to do it by any stretch uh, or that it's better than anything else. But it, it's something that I've done now for a lot of years. I don't even know, probably over 10 where I try and not ride the indoor trainer. Now that the catch, as I say in this post and, and no one who comments on the stuff, you know, again, the commenters are always great. Thank you for commenting, interacting. But sometimes you're like, you know, you, the, the idea wasn't that. So there are a lot of people are like, yeah, ride the track. You know, you can ride 
fat bikes or something. But the idea is that, you know, this is early in the season. So yes, you're going to be out in a little inclement weather, but you also have the option of not riding. Some days you might be easing into cross training and we're also embracing strength training. So it's, it's more the idea of this time of year for most people is the preparation phase, the early base phases where strength training, cross training, you know, not biking as much is sort of implicit in those uh, those, those phases, those focuses of the year. So some years you ride more, sometimes you don't, but again, it's not that I'm any harder or, you know, burlier than anyone else. I don't Definitely think that's not the case. Burlier, I'll tell you that. Uh, but I do try and, you know, have my fenders and my Gore-Tex and my booties and everything else. And I try and, you know, we're doing a Tuesday night ride again this year, which I'm really excited about. A few people come out we just ride out and back on a rail trail. So it's safe. And there's a group of us with lights. Uh, and we do that, you know, sort of, we did a couple rain or shine. Well, I guess it's not shining, but rain or clear, uh, on, on Tuesday nights. Right. And so it's just, it's nothing special, but you see some people and, and you sort of suffer in, in company. I think we also like this challenge just because, uh, you know, the beginning of the trainer season, it always feels kind of fun and novel to be back on the trainer. Uh, so it's really like the longer you can wait till you have that moment, the longer you'll be able to maintain your time on the trainer before you get really bored of being on the trainer. Sure. And I, again, I want to be sensitive with this. I don't know why I need to be sensitive because I mean, it, people do challenges all the time. This one I think is pretty reasonable versus, you know, you have to climb Mount Everest or, you know, ride a ton. Also, we don't care if you ride the <laughs> trainer. Like, it should also be pointed out. Again, you. I, like I say, some people, this isn't a challenge at all because they never ride indoors. And then other people, you know, the, you have to ride indoors if you're going to do anything. And I get it, right? So it's not necessarily to, to do that um where was i going before i gave that caveat i don't know you okay. just caveated the crap out of like ride outside for the next two weeks if you can oh you're talking about trainer motivation yeah so uh, i think that's true uh, it's not that you if you've started but you, you want to taper it out right I, I, probably everyone has a point where you know if you just did three hours on the trainer every day staring at the wall you'd probably give up on it you know at some point some of us there's a few of us that would persist but that's the idea so i think if if you're really driving it hard you know same as if you're doing intervals right now or doing high volume and the goal isn't till next summer then you just want to be careful you know are you building up to anything or are you already there and then we need to reflect on you know time off and just you know building that the periodization the planning of the year Love that. So we have a post on that up over on Consummate Athlete. We also have a lot of gift guides going up. We just did the one for runners this week. Uh, we have one for cyclists. We have one that's just sort of our general like favorites for athletes and more to come. So definitely uh, head over to Consummate Athlete. Check those out. We have some stuff that's, you know, fun stuff we've made in our shop. People seem to be really into the uh, the sandals that I created that remind you to take off your chamois. It's a great gift for any cyclist to, uh, you know, the cyclist friend of yours who like you know you, you ride through some mud and stuff for a couple hours on the trails and then they get in their car still wearing their kit well or maybe even with uh indoor season right maybe it's just tempting to be you know in your spandex in the kitchen all day or you know sitting on you know the nice felt felt seats or, or not felt's not the word i'm looking for but material like office chairs yeah yeah um, i mean so just or if you're, Maybe. or if you're, uh, you know, if you have a friend who's doing a stage race, I would say these are excellent for when you finish the stage. You get to put on your nice sandals. That's right. Yeah, we're hoping to do more stage races next year. Uh, some hopefully. exciting, some exciting news. Yeah, hopefully. On that yeah. So I mean, that's always the thing. There is, you know, it's funny on day one and two when you're the, you know, enjoying the beer for two hours. After day three, four, five, and six are are less comical all of a sudden. Yeah, so. we've we've seen some guys not finish the so stage there, race. There you go. Yeah, we have the store up there. We have lots of posts always going up. Um, we're trying to clean up old posts uh, as well and just make them, you know, 
more concise and clearer. So yeah, yeah, welcome any feedback. If you like something, if you want to see something, let us know. Yeah, and last note on gift guides. Uh, you know what? I would actually highly recommend for a gift for for you know someone in your life who you really want to be living like a slightly healthier lifestyle is actually Athletic Greens, specifically the AG1 supplement and so this is what i've gotten for my dad uh, uh, both our dads yeah. i think have gotten this gifted i don't know if they appreciated it or not but uh, I, li I like to think so uh you know i i think it's just a it's such an easy like win for someone who's maybe trying to kind of shift into a healthier lifestyle and maybe struggling a little bit with it we've been using athletic greens for almost a year now they're an excellent sponsor of the podcast for and sure and i think this is one of those things where you know you find where you need it and what you need it for right for some people it's going to be their travel insurance uh you know so to speak not the actual insurance they don't provide insurance uh but the, the you know if you're eating out, you know, driving across the country, you know, it, it can be a great sort of addition there for other clients. And, and this would include, again, why we sort of were, you know, maybe gifting it to our fathers is, you know, it might be trying to jumpstart, you know, better habits. So that's that water in the morning, you know, some good nutrients coming in with that water. Uh, and then we're hoping that maybe, you know, people feel better and then they're maybe going to roll that into something else, right? Whether that's going out for a walk or preparing a nice healthy meal uh, later in the day or, or as part of that, that morning routine. Exactly. And I mean, at the bare minimum, Athletic Greens AG1 is giving them 75 probiotics, prebiotics, vitamins, minerals, adaptogens, and our greens. So at the very least, we're starting off on that right foot. I'm definitely packing my travel packs of it uh, for this conference in Phoenix that I'll be at this weekend, uh, because I know it's not going to be super easy to you know get in all of my normal nutrition. For sure. And then the other thing that we like about this is that it has that NSF rating for that third party, just making sure you know that there's not other stuff in there, whether, whether you're getting tested for things or whether you just don't want weird other stuff that's added into supplements. I actually had a fascinating conversation with a dietitian this morning talking about the difference between fortified food versus supplements. Uh, did you know that if it's fortified, like if you're getting yogurt that's been fortified with vitamin D and stuff, that has to go through so much from like the USDA to make sure that it's like what it's fortified with is legitimately it. But then the FDA for supplements, which includes like protein bars and all that kind of stuff, there's like nothing. So there's a really odd demarcation between like what sup like what counts as a supplement and what counts as like a fortified thing. So when you are using supplements like this, definitely going for that NSF third party certified thing is key. So uh, right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is gonna give you a free one year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase, which is honestly an awesome deal, especially as we're heading into travel season again. And holiday parties and everything uh, yeah, else. Yeah, <laughs> definitely the holiday parties. So all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash Molly H because consummate was too hard to spell. Again, athleticgreens.com backslash molly h to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance all right so on to the the meat and potatoes if you will of this show today we are all about risk assessment uh and we've had a pretty popular post on our site called on risk that i think dates back to I don't even know when the first version of that would have gone I up. I like that you describe it as popular. Do we know that it's popular? I think so. I like to think it is. <laughs> I, I always group this in with the ones that are like uh, exoteric that I write, but I think it's a good post. Um, anyway, it's been up for, for a lot of years. <laughs> and the reason we wanted to talk about this is actually uh, when we were down in Bentonville for Big Sugar, I got to sit down with Jukebox Cycling's Ashton Lambie, who you might know 
from his his current gravel uh, career, but also as the world record holder for the four kilometer, he actually just just lost the the world record um, at this past world championships. Uh, he's also former world champion um, and just all around king of the 4k i think is probably how we we call it he's the first member of the sub four clubs the first person to ride four kilometers in under four minutes uh dude's fast but what's more interesting about him sorry ashton uh, is that he actually just married an astronaut and also a badass cyclist herself christina birch and uh what part of what we were talking about as i was interviewing him was how Marrying someone who's going to space and, you know, works at NASA has changed their approach to how they look at risk sort of all over the place. So he's talking about how NASA has all of these, you know, risk assessment strategies in place and how they've then applied it to, you know, the bike racing and their everyday lives. So before we get into our feelings on risk assessment, I wanted to uh, just play this quick clip from Ashton. So let's play that clip. Chris doing all the NASA stuff, we've really delved into like risk assessment models and like, it's so interesting. Um, I've been really getting into this podcast called Causality. Um, It's this Australian guy that talks about uh, like different industrial accidents, (laughs) which sounds incredibly dry, but it's like, hey, this oil rig failed. Like, why did it fail? Well, it failed because, like, this guy didn't put these control rods in correctly. Well, okay, why didn't he do that? Oh, their paperwork that they had wasn't good. Or, like, the guy that was in charge of training this guy, like, fudged the paperwork to say that he was trained enough to do this independently. And they didn't, like, the uh, person who certified their lifeboats, like, didn't do a good job. And it's like, oh, okay, so there are, like there's different levels of risk assessment and there's different ways to mitigate that risk. And I think having like looking at it like that and being like, Oh, okay, well what's a hypothetical thing that could happen in this gravel race that makes it not go according to plan. Like maybe you've had a race that didn't go according to plan before I've lost a bottle and that, that wrecked my entire feeling strategy. Okay. Well, maybe next time do you go with an extra bottle like that? That's a pretty big penalty. That's a lot of weight. Maybe I just carry, you know, um, like an extra drink mix, a single serving drink mix. And that's my mitigation strategy for that specific risk, which is like high risk, you know, lose, like if you have a tight fueling strategy, like messing that up is pretty bad. Um, but also like the risk of carrying an extra bottle's worth of weight is pretty substantial. So I think just being thoughtful about that and like coming up with a plan for that, whatever your goal is, whatever your risk is, whatever your experience is with that, like figure that out. It's huge, right? Cause you could go into a race and mitigate every single risk. Um, you could carry a spare chain and a spare tire. Like, yeah, yeah. But like, that's not realistic. You know, there's also, then you're running the risk of carrying so much more equipment than your, your rivals that like, you're not competitive and that's reasonable too. Um, so I think finding that balance that works for you and not just, not finding it just through like trial and error, but like thinking about like, "Mm, well, okay, this happened to me before. Does that mean it's going to happen every single race? Why did it happen before? What can I do to mitigate it? What are the costs of those mitigation strategies? Like Mm -hmm. those are all questions that you can think about instead of just reacting when something goes wrong. So like for me, 
that is, I always carry a spare derailleur hanger. It's happened to me before. It doesn't happen very often. Um, but the cost of mitigating that risk of like being stranded without a derailleur hanger, minimal, like 10 grams, weighs almost nothing. I have a multi-tool to do it. It's easy. Yeah. The other mitigation thing we talk about is like how, like you're walking along the road and how wide and how deep is a hole. Like how wide the width is how, how likely you are to step in it. Like, is this something that's going to, going to happen eight times out of 10 or is it like, like a half a time out of 10? So if it's a really wide hole, eh, it's probably going to happen. You should have a mitigation strategy in place. If it's a really narrow hole, eh, it's probably not going to happen. But what you look at is the depth, like how, if the hole is like 30 feet deep, you're going to break a leg. Like it's bad. If it's just like one foot deep, like it's just an inconvenience, eh, maybe you don't need to do anything. So like the derailleur hanger for me is like, it's a quite narrow hole, but it's also quite deep. And building a bridge across that, in, inconsequential, 10 grams, easy, super easy. Yeah, but like getting a flat, you know, quite wide hole, moderately narrow, depending on if you have anything, but putting stuff like carrying a spare tube or a, a tubeless plugs, like all that, whatever you want to do, putting in sealant. Some people ride their tubeless tires without sealant, which is insane. Put sealant in your tires. But like sealant brings the level of that up a little bit. A tubeless, uh, you know, a, a tube brings it up a little bit more. A tubeless plug brings it up a little bit more. And all of a sudden you have this quite wide hole that like got a lot less deep because you just did a few mitigation strategies. Okay. So I absolutely loved that that whole little conversation with Ashton there. I think it's just, it really made me start thinking about all of the different ways that we're assessing risk, which came back to that on risk post. So, uh, you know, as Ashton was talking about the in race, in ride preparedness, I think is, is just so interesting and important. Like I loved his point about carrying the derailleur hanger, not obviously you're not going to carry every single tiny thing that could fix a bike. Um, but the little things that could possibly derail <clears throat> your your race. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think, so this is like mechanical risk and, and this the post we're alluding to, this on-risk post on consummateathlete.com sort of goes, it sort of breaks it out. There's like technical risk. So, you know, are you going to try and do a backflip off of that drop or are you just going to ride around it, you know, and everything in between? Uh, it goes into, uh, you know, physiological risks, maybe where we might have volume intensity, you know, and we talked about indoor riding to start off this episode today. Again, how at some point there's risk with what we do, whether that's injury, illness, burnout, motivation, you know, there's a cost benefit sort of there. So I guess this, this clip you've played from Ashton is, is mechanical and it's surprising the pushback I get whenever I, I suggest that someone should carry a tube on every bicycle. Uh, which really gets at this, you know, our, we're all different, right? We're all comfortable with more or less risk, but it, it's sort of this, you know, oh, tubeless tires, I have tubeless tires, so I don't have, well, I mean, is that you don't understand risk or is it, uh, you know, it's just so unlikely that you're okay with the, the one time you have to phone your spouse to get a ride home or, or, you know, take an Uber if you live in a city, I guess, um, I don't think there's a wrong answer there, but my perspective is always that if I have the tube, I'm self-sufficient 
and I get a chance to try and get myself out of the situation. And there will likely, at least in, in within my goals and my intents for riding bicycles, there will be a situation, you know, in the wilderness, whether it's in a race or on a ride where I do need to get myself out. There won't be an Uber. There won't be a spouse uh, to, to pull me out in good time, right? It, it might be just inconvenient, but it also might be dangerous potentially. Uh, so in my mind, it's a pretty low cost way to get, you know, insurance, if you will, of something that's unlikely to happen, increasingly unlikely to happen right now with tire plugs and sealant and tire inserts and tubeless tires. I I get it, right? But it's one of those things like how much risk are you willing to accept? So I think that mechanical analogy uh, of carrying tubes is is a really nice one. Yeah. And personally, I, I feel like I get a lot of pushback from saying I I'll carry a CO2 in a race situation, but I will also always carry a mini pump with me because I just figure CO2 is like, A, sometimes you get a dud, and B, sometimes you get more than one flat. Uh, well, I mean, that gets to what you're racing, I guess, right? Like, you're not carrying one in a cyclocross race. like so. It's, okay, yeah, obviously. So, I mean, I think if it's anything where you're out for a while, then you probably want redundancy in how you're going to blow a tube up or, or, or just blow it up if you're using plugs or, you know, you think you're just going to burp your tire at worst. You know, you still need some way to pump it up if, if you need to pump it up. So having some redundancy there, I think, is smart. And, and yeah, some people will just carry a single tube or a single pump, rather, which is pretty, you know, it's, it's hard for that to fail, but they do. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's sort of the the mechanical. Do you want to touch on the technical and talk about the 10 out of 10? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. You know, I always go waffle, you know, is it is it worthwhile? Does it mean anything? But I, I think sometimes there's this concept that, that you know, the, the people who are doing Red Bull Rampage or something are, are just throwing themselves off cliffs. And they, they are in Red Bull Rampage. But for the most part, you know, there, there is the, the wild ones among us, but it's rarely like a one out of 10 chance that they're going to make it. They've done a lot of backflips. They've done a lot of gaps. So there's a calculated risk in their head and they know how to get out of the, the thing, right? Like they know how to roll out of it. They know how to tumble maybe. And, and they do get hurt a lot. But if we scale it back, you know, that's probably the most extreme. Even those people though, right? Like it can't possibly be one out of 10 or else they wouldn't have gotten where they are. I actually have a fantastic example of this. Uh, so I was just uh, just on a podcast with Leah Davison, who's going to be, we're, we've recorded a consummate athlete episode. And before we started recording, I was asking her how Rome Fest went. So that's the women's mountain biking weekends that they have all over the U.S. now. And we were talking about it and we were kind of laughing about, I was saying, I'm like very nervous. She's like, it's amazing. You got to go. It's 300 women who all, all mountain bike. And I was like, Leah, that sounds like the most terrifying thing in the entire universe for me. Like that seems so intimidating to me. And she's like, like, no, it absolutely isn't. It's great. Like they're, it's fun. Like it's great for every level. And then she like paused and she's like, actually, you know what? It was intimidating. I'm not going to lie. So they were in the, she was at the Sedona one. And this is Leah Davison, two-time Olympian, like one of the best mountain bikers in the world. And she's like, so there were a couple times where we were riding like the Highline or something in Sedona. And I walked, like I rode the uphill but I walked chunks of the high line and she's like, and other people wrote it. And I was fine with that. And that was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so even the best people in the entire world that's right, are walking some stuff. Well, <laughs> and to that point, I guess also what I hear in that is, you know, she's very good at, at one thing, you know, one discipline, one type of writing or, or, you know, a variety, but at some point you're out of your element and you just need to know, right? Like I know, 
you know, if the jumps start becoming more like a Whistler style downhill high speed jump, like I'm just out of my element, right? I haven't ridden bikes like that. You know, I might probably am not on a bike appropriate for that. Uh, so, so that's the nature, right? And that's not to say you can't edge yourself that way, but today might be a one out of 10 chance, right? You, you don't know, you have no idea. So it's pretty unknown. So I think this is where we just are always careful if, if I, you know, and I try and ask clients, it's like, is this a, a 9.9 out of 10? Like you can see yourself getting to the landing or whatever it is. And if it's not, that's completely okay because it's very easy to scale things back, right? There's, we can, you know, if you're trying to do a gap that's three feet wide, you don't need to do it on this rocky thing on the trail. You can go into a grassy field and put two sticks on the ground and clear a three foot gap a bunch of times, progress it to a smaller, you know, gap that has much lower risk. You could use pads, right, to mitigate risk. You could go to some place like we have Joyride Bike Park here that has a foam pit and work on your, your jumping, like feel getting air into a big pile of foam. There's, there's so many different things you can do to mitigate and scale so that the risk is not, you know, so high. And I think that it sounds obvious when we're talking about it, but I think if we checked with ourselves a few times, there'd be moments where it's a little like, hold on for dear life. And that decision can go really well. You can get away with it, but I don't know that that makes it a good decision. It means that you got away with it. Uh, and we're not always going to get away with it. And so especially, you know, our listeners and, and you and I, as we're getting older, it, it's just being very careful and clear, you know, what the objective is, what is the, so I think that that technical risk and, and that theory of, it doesn't mean you can't do it, but you just want to back out for a second and be like, can I build confidence and repetitions before I go for that? And I think that's the nuance that we really want to highlight is like just because it's not 10 out of 10 today doesn't mean that it can't be in a few weeks from now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you can do all sorts of wild stuff, right? Like people are amazing, you know, and, and all ages of people do wild stuff. So, I mean, it's very possible, but you definitely want to, you know, this is a risk reward type conversation. And then again, like a, that's I, I, I don't even like to couch it in like you'll never do it, but I think it's you don't have to do it today, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that can be a goal. You know, what would you do tomorrow? What would you do next year? And on the note of practicing skills in the off season, people should definitely check out Ryan Leach's RLC programs because, I mean, when I'm thinking about, uh, you know, when I wanted to learn how to do wheelies, like that was what I went to. And it's a very, very, like, slow progression into all of these different skills. And I yeah, really and I, I coach on there. The nice thing about that, and we'll put a link in, uh, in the show notes as well. Uh, we do have an affiliate link for that, which gets you a deal and, and you know helps us out as well. So if you are curious, we'd love if you'd use that link off of the show notes. Uh, but the great thing about the Ryan Leach Connection, which is now called Ride Learn Connect, I believe, uh, RLC. And it's great because there's a, a whole host of coaches on there that you can send videos in. So if you're doing jumping or wheelies, you can say, okay, I've got, I followed the course, which is a nice stepwise, like almost agonizingly slow, but that's the way we want to do progression. Wheelies from like one little pedal kick to get the wheelie up to wheeling. Like, and it's amazing. The people can wheelie way better than I, and they started doing, you know, nothing. Uh, and, and, you know, they worked away for years in some cases and, and manuals, wheelies, jumps, um, there's a cornering course. There's, we, I have a cycle cross course that I did there on the old, uh, dismounts and mounts. So great program. Um, if you want to check it out, uh, but yeah, the, where I was going with that is that over the winter, there's also baseline balance and bulletproof basics maybe, uh, which are more of your slow speed skills that can be done in like a parking garage. We have some, uh, clients who are doing it that way. And we have basements, garages, you know, barns, all these things. So great little program if you are looking for a way to scale or build up some some more skills, right? Things like track standing or get so overlooked, 
but you don't fall over nearly as much if you can, you know, go, you just sit there balancing. Um, so that stuff is, is great too. If you're trying to reduce the chances, improve your skills. For sure. Thinking about mountain bike uphills, that ability to track stand a little oh. bit as you're like, wait, or even like on switchbacks, a course as you're... Switchbacks, like, I mean, looking around the corner is like pretty, you know, miraculous. That's often where, uh, you know, I can help people. And, you know, the line choice is big. Uh, you know, we think about turning with our chin on the uphill and that's good. But if you're not comfortable going very slowly, like that's number one is work on your track stands of all types in all situations for sure. Yeah. All right, perfect. So that's sort of the, so we've gotten mechanical, we've gotten technical. Now let's talk physiological with regards to training. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, You know, and and I almost wonder if we should start so we can break, in the post it breaks it out into sort of like a health and physiological, I think. See, I was going to end with health. Okay, okay, okay. I'll stick with your idea. So physiological, this is like training, we could say. And so I think it's pretty obvious, but, you know, I, I like this inverted U concept, which I think some people get confused about, but you think about a rainbow, and this is like a graph, a rainbow graph, right? So it's like an inverted U. And so at the far left-hand corner, you're doing zero hours of training and you're getting zero hours of benefit or zero units of benefit, we could say. Um, and then, you know, if you train an hour, you're going to be a fitter person. You're going to get more benefits of the training. And that keeps going up. But the thing is, like, we know at some point the benefits are going to level off, right? If you look at any of these, like, health studies or, like, how much exercise should you do for health, it's it's not, you know, in our world, it's not a lot of exercise, 300 minutes a week or something, right? Um but at some point we know it's going to level off. So I always ask, you know, if three hour ride is good, is a four hour ride better? And then is a five hour ride better? Is a six hour, is a 12 hour? And some clients will say yes. And you know, you're never going to get them to say no. Uh, but I think most of us understand that at some point you're going to get injured, sick, ill, you know, your neck will stop working. If you're riding across, you know, race across America style, like you won't be able to hold your neck. And we're going to say there's a downside to this. So well, you're certainly not going to be able to train as well. Well, like, tomorrow the next you're not day. training tomorrow, right? And then you're not going to train the next day. You're sick. You're injured. You know, whatever, right? Like it, th- at some point, like it's not effective training. I think we all understand that at some point, right? Like you can't train. You know, you're going to get divorced. Like you don't live at your house anymore, <laughs> right? There's 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 only so much you can do, and so. With the physiological stuff, I think it's understanding that there's always like a, a minimum effective dose and an optimal dose. And and my belief is that most of us should live around the minimum dose. So just before it starts peaking, the rainbow gets to its highest point, the middle of that rainbow. We probably want to spend a lot of the year back from what we, we think we should do or what we can fit into the week. It's this like fitting or cramming into the week. Um, it's leaving slack is what I often say, right? Leaving Slack because we know that you're going to have to stay late at the office. The thing's going to go late. The Zoom meeting, the kids have to go to soccer, the kid's sick. So leaving Slack, I think, is 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 nice. And then for a couple of weeks of the year, you can go into, we always like Frank's monk mode. This is the optimal or even pushing the limits. But we want to make sure the rest of life, if you're a teacher, this is July and August. If you're peaking for Unbound, this is, you know, maybe May, sorry, April, May. If you're I'm trying to think of other big events, Leadville, you know, July, like you're going into monk mode, you're training as hard as you can, you're getting those valuable experiences, but you have to be careful that you're not, you know, pushing limits in the other areas and you're, you know, leaving slack in those other areas. So physiological, it's just being comfortable that you're, you're always using that inverted you, that rainbow to say, you know, am I doing, am I pushing this too hard? Am I trying to cram too much into the week? Yeah, and that's where that cup analogy also comes in. If you don't like the inverted U, we can go with the cup. Well, the cup I like more for health, to be honest, but they are, I mean, a U is an upside down cup, I guess. Okay. (laughs) Well, did you have anything else to add about physiological or? 
do you want to go into health? No, I mean, just again, pointing out that it, it replies, you know, if you take that same thing of like how much intensity are you doing in the week um, or how hard you're going even, right? Like, is there that much more benefit to going to 100% or should you go like to 90%? And that could be heart rate, that could be power, that could be how long you're doing it. Uh, it could be the number of intervals, the number of interval sessions, just it doesn't have to be always at the max you can handle or like you don't need to always fail. Like that's what I see is just like always failing. And it's like, I never wanted you to, you know, like maybe once or twice a year, like you're going to have a miss. Um, but the, the way it should be set up where there's so much range and so much openness that, you know, even, you know, I, and I don't picture like if you had a 10 minute interval and you got through eight and then got bored or grumpy or something like that's, that's not failure. That's just eight minutes. Come back again next week and do it again. Um, but it shouldn't be like you're demoralized by the intensity and, and there's something there, right? So again, just bringing it back and trying to use that as a, as a guideline for like, you know, is, is this a very like, how much, how hard do I need to go and how often? Yeah. And I think in running, this is even more like, it's more easily obvious because I think in cycling, like people can kind of get away with that, like more for a little longer, but like with running for, for example, for me, you know, I do typically like under hundred K weeks, like between 90 and hundred K most weeks. Um, I've done a hundred mile week in the past. I've done a couple given that I ran a hundred mile or so that counts. Um, although that was my first, I think hundred mile week ever was, was doing a hundred miler. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the point is like, I don't do them very often. And honestly, my, like my coach, David Roche, who we've had on the podcast, doesn't really like them for me because the, the risk to them, you know, with everything else I have going on with work and the rest of our lives, like the risk of doing hundred mile weeks like there's just not enough benefit to make or the risk of that. Or 100K or whatever number you have in your head, right? I think with mm-hmm. cycling, I, I see this all the time where it's like I need to train 12 hours, 14 hours, 16 hours, 18 hours, whatever the magical number is. And it's good training doesn't look like that. Good training looks like 8, 10, 12, you know, 8, 10, 12, you know, and then maybe there's a 20 hour on one of those weeks you're really pushing. You go away to a training camp whatever it, whatever it is. Right. But there's a little bit of undulation in that to let your body adapt. And and it doesn't, you know, it it doesn't go away if you do eight hours instead of 10 hours or again, whatever the magical, you know, if you do 80 kilometers in a month versus a hundred, like, it's not like your endurance capacity has just vanished because Mm -hmm. you're, you know, this eight out of 10, right? Yeah. And likely your risk is much lower because you've had extra time for recovery. And motivation, right? And this is this is the thing, right? Is like, what are you, what something's going to go if you're at, at or over the limit? And it's not even like, again, optimal, maybe we're going to leave something on the table, but we're, we're gambling that that staying and leaving some slack because we know that stuff comes in, right? We know that intensity comes up periodically. We know we do the extra little town line sprint. We know, again, le- even leaving out all the life stuff that takes from our capacity right or requires energy mm-hmm. um, we know that there's going to be some variation in that training just outside of what's you know prescribed yeah exactly perfect okay so let's broaden it into our last topic here which is health so you notice we went mechanical technical physiological and health and that's definitely not to say mechanical is the most important i would say we're actually ending with the most important which sure. is health so we had a listener some feedback come back that we you know we've uh, the other thing so there's the tubes people yell at me because i say you have to carry tubes and that's stupid apparently okay okay (laughs) you can i mean fight me on it uh, sure i mean i mean let me know what your spouse thinks next time she phone you know you phone and, and they have to come pick you up um but the, this I noticed you like paused because you said she, but I'm going to point out that most of the people that are arguing about the tubes are dudes. <laughs> right. 
Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you said it, not me. Um, so anyhow, this, this listener, it's, it's a sad story, but a good story. So we were talking about, you should go and get checked up at the doctor and get some blood work. This is not a crazy recommendation. You know, I think if you look at any recommendation for, for athletes, it's actually more frequent on the blood work side of things. We love, uh, we don't, we don't get any benefit really, but we have an affiliate. Well, put this in the show notes too for, uh, inside tracker, inside tracker, which is a great product. They'll come to your house in Canada. I think, and in the U.S., you pay extra for it, but it's so worth okay, it. Okay, okay. They have to come to your house in Canada, but the, you have the option in the U.S. Uh, you can just do it as a blood draw in the U.S. Uh, and so for some people love this because they don't have to, you know, they can be working at home and then someone comes in, takes their blood, and then they leave. And, and it's great. Great, great product. We've used it. That's insidetracker.com backslash consummate for 25% off. Right. Which again, benefits not you. Benefits anymore. you, not us. Um, so anyhow, so we were saying you should get checked out and a lot of people say I'm stupid and that they don't want to go to the doctor. And I'm like, okay. Sorry, not that they're stupid, that Peter's stupid. Yeah, to be clear on that's that. what they're saying, that I'm stupid. And I'm like, okay. I mean, I think this is just the general recommendation. I know it's hard. You know, in Canada, they've like discouraged, like if you're okay, you're okay and just don't come to the doctor uh, because it's like a public system. Uh, but you're, you're, you're allowed to ask to go. And, and a lot of times nothing's going to happen. This is like having insurance for like, you know, your house, you know, getting in a fire or something. Peter was about to say pet, but I think we might have to cancel the pet insurance we just bought because <laughs> right. he's furious about the premium. So, so actually let us know your feelings on pet insurance, I don't please. know. Maybe we don't need to talk about pet insurance, but, um, so anyhow, this is insurance, right? So Molly might be worried about fires, and so she gets fire insurance. Uh, it probably will never happen, knock on wood. Uh, this is similar to going to the doctor and the blood work. A lot, Most clients go and they say, well, that was stupid. You're a dummy because I shouldn't have gone because nothing was wrong. However, this this listener, thank to them for letting us know. They, they didn't weren't expecting anything, but they thought maybe that's a good idea. This guy may not be a dummy. And they went and there was some serious problems. They ended up being in the hospital for several days and, and you know, pretty big deal from what i understand they're they're okay now it's good but um you know i guess just a psa that like take care of yourself you know get your checkups don't don't leave this stuff um you know you can call me a dummy when you're okay but uh, go checked out on the front side of this yeah so also thank you for for writing in and letting us know that yeah so so what do you do with that so i mean we this is our yearly checkups you know the flossing uh what else is good practices here you know eating your vegetables none of this stuff yeah, just taking care of yourself, right? I think this relates to not cramming as much as you can into the week, leaving some slack to just, you know, enjoy some time with family, friends, sleep, uh, go for a walk, read a book, you know, easier said than done. I get it. Life is very busy and it should be, it should be full. Um, but we want to take care of our health. And I think as adult endurance athletes who are not going to the Tour de France, we want it, this is where that, that inverted you we just talked about with the fitnessing, this is where, well, what, what about those extra hours? Well, the extra hours go into some of this health stuff. You're going to sleep like you should. You're going to prepare some vegetables and protein in your meals, you know, whole foods, eat with your family, not rushed. That's where the extra time comes from is by not, by leaving slack, right? By, by leaving slack with the inverted you. We like the Greg Lehman cup analogy. So this is not filling the cup, leaving, you know, we could call that slack or leaving some room, you know, just like you'd leave room for cream in your coffee. Uh, you're leaving room in the cup because we know that there's going to be something, right? You're going to fall on the ice and, you know, hurt yourself. Uh, this is adult life, right? The kids are going to be sick. So if we don't cram too much in, if we try and leave some time to do, you know, take care of these general health, you know, insurance things, you know, again, the flossing, you know, it's boring, you know, you haven't had a cavity for years. Why am I going to floss? Well, we might find out. So just, just bite me on the not having cavity for you. <laughs> yeah. The well, there you go. That uh, I was going to make fun of vegetarian diets, but we'll hold that in. <laughs> 
trying to do like the huff that DW gives us <laughs> right, when he's annoyed right. right now. So hell, I mean, I don't think we need to beat that, but this is, I think maybe it's evident there where there's like this risk reward, right? Where we want to, especially as we get older, this is where maybe the risks we take on our bicycle relate to that health, right? We want to be careful with, cause joints and muscles and stuff don't heal as fast and we're not going to avoid everything. You know, there's some stuff in the middle we can't avoid, but some of this like really, you know, again, I guess seat belts are a big one too, right? Um, where we're just trying to be smart about that stuff. Yeah. So moral of the story, it's not that you should never take any risks, but the 10 out of 10 risk assessment on technical features can apply to pretty much everything. And, you know, just being aware of the fact that like everything we're doing has has, you know, ups and downs. Everything we do has that inverted you. You know, right. training is great. I think training in investments, right, they talk about like what's the, the downside and just trying to avoid like large downside risk. Um, exactly. Yeah. So I guess that's, you know, that, and one of the ways we do that is with insurance. But again, you know, things like seatbelts are, you know, trying to manage the, the large downside risk, right? And for some people that might be, you know, maybe they just don't jump a bike. And I'm not saying you shouldn't jump a bike. I think you can learn how. Um, but again, you, you set where those those limits are. Mm-hmm. So there we go. Risk assessment with NASA, investment bankers, and endurance athletes. Hopefully some of that, uh, some of those nuggets of wisdom really hit home for you. Uh, Again, check out all of the show notes over at consummateathlete.com. Hit us up if you have any recommendations for guests, any questions you want us to answer, all the things, consummateathlete.com, at consummateathlete on Instagram. And thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you want to hear more training, racing, and endurance sport advice, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at consummateathlete.com for a weekly dose of inspiration and advice straight to your inbox. 